Welcome to Room at the Table, an opportunity for you to join me, Betsy Cerullo, and my guests for conversations about creating equitable and inclusive workplaces where leaders rise above mediocrity and our teams thrive. Pull up a chair. There's always room at the table. Welcome to another meaningful conversation on Room at the Table. I am Betsy Cerullo, your host, and welcome to my guest today, Jennifer Barchi, who is a senior consultant with Design Group International and is an associate for church and leadership for the Presbytery of Baltimore and, and an executive coach for her practice, Artfully Caffeinated. So today we are talking about grief in the workplace and how we navigate it for our teams and ourselves. So pull up a chair, enjoy your favorite beverage, and let's get started. Jennifer, welcome. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here with you today, Betsy. Same here, especially to talk about a topic that, you know, we just can't seem to escape it no matter who we are what our walks of life are, but it's something that we all have to deal with. So um, I I appreciate you engaging in this conversation with me because I know it's not an easy one. It's not, but it is my pleasure to engage in it. Um, It's something that I think is really important for us to think through. And especially in modern American culture, it's not one that we often take the time to really rest in and reflect upon. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it's just... It's an interesting time, even for me, because I recently lost my mom who passed away at 98 and, uh, you know, a couple months have gone by and I certainly feel the, the internal shifts in myself. And I, you know, I reflect to the first couple of days of it and the shock that I felt and sometimes wanting to go into automatic or trying to, to escape some of the feelings. And there just got to a point in my work that I just said, okay, I can't, I can't, Mm -hmm. I've got to be with this. And I, and I know in the roles that you have played, you see this a lot different and different, different forms of it. I do. And, um, if there were one thing that I would want to get across to folks, especially in the workplace, um, it's the, the knowledge that grief takes on many different forms and is as unique as the person who is grieving. Betsy, I really resonate with the idea of wanting to get back to sometimes wanting to get back to something that is totally normal, um, getting back into the swing of things and also finding that to be really difficult. For my background, um, so I come from a very um, academic, very driven family. That was the the way that I was raised and socialized. Um, and yet I have friends and colleagues from other backgrounds and other experiences who, um, experience their grief very differently and feel a very different level of comfort, um, with, with taking the time Mm -hmm. to really engage in those feelings and process. Yeah. I I come from one of those family backgrounds where you push through and I can often remember at different, different times of loss, hearing the message, show no emotion and be strong for everyone else around you. So in my role as a leader over the years, um, you know, any losses that I had were secondary because 
I wanted to be strong for everyone else around me. And I have learned as I've gotten older that that really just comes back to, to bite you and it makes the grief, the certain phases of it, hang on even longer mm-hmm. if, you, if, if you're not with it in the moment that you need to be. And it doesn't mean that, you know, in the workplace, when you have an employee who's in just a constant state of grief or, you know, the, the emotions, they just, it keeps coming up for them. That's where we as leaders can really counsel and be with employees to help ease them or, you know, perhaps say, you know, yeah, you took your bereavement leave, but grief doesn't end when the bereavement leave ends. Exactly. So why don't you go home? You know, why don't you go home and just We've we've got you. Just go go take care of yourself and 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 let's regroup tomorrow or another day. Yeah, exactly. I I love what you said about grief. You know, if you if you put on a strong face um, and you are there for everybody else and you sort of pretend that the grief isn't there, it doesn't help. It does come back to bite you. Um, I think of it sort of like um, if you were trying to to plug up a, a geyser and you were successful. Um, that pressure of that water is going to find another place, another soft spot in the earth from which to erupt. Um, and so what happens if you try to ignore your grief is that it finds another soft spot in your life, uh, where it will erupt and it may be in a way that is unexpected and you may not even recognize it, um, which can have some pretty significant unintended consequences. One of the most important things, I think, is creating a workplace culture where people feel safe to grieve, yeah. uh, where they know that they have permission to feel their feelings the way that mm-hmm. is culturally appropriate for them. Some people grieve very loudly, some people grieve quietly, where they know that they are trusted to regulate themselves mm-hmm. and where they they understand that there is compassion enough that if they are really having a difficult day, there is an escape. They are allowed to, to take care of themselves by going home. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I was always fascinated, especially being a business owner about bereavement leave. And, and I don't mean fascinated in a good way, just how, uh, seeing that in work cultures and and with the customers that we've represented, knowing what their policies were, you know, again, where the magic number was three days, five days, uh, I would think, okay, you know, obviously funeral services are a fixed amount of time, but it doesn't mean that everything goes back to normal. And sometimes that, that uh, feeling of normalcy is a good thing. Uh, and grief creeps in at times that you can't plan it. It just, it just, I think it's just a, I think it's sometimes it's a gift of the universe and I'm not going to call it uh, a curse because I can think in over the years when I've experienced my own grief, that it was such a, it was really a magnificent place of exploring oneself uh, being with, you know, the, the flooding of memories for your loved one, or, you know, in this case, my loved ones, 
but you know, things that you hadn't thought about in years that were actually really wonderful memories and some that weren't. Um, but in some of the memories that I found that were not pleasant, that's where I had the opportunity to do some deeper inner work with myself that, oh, um, I think I need to spend a little bit more time exploring why is that bothering me now and how can I, you know, how can my life expand in a better way at this stage of life? Have you experienced that with, with people? I have. And um, I want to take go back to the first part of what you said, which is about we think of bereavement leave as typically being three to five days. Um, and I think as with so much in um, sort of our American business culture, there is a, a desire to be able to have a regulation that is, you know, that is standard for cross people. Right. right. Um, and, and, and to put productivity at the very forefront of things and expect that our human processes will follow our business productive processes, which of course, um, is, is just not true. And even with what I would call the most uncomplicated of grief cycles, I would expect that a normal grief cycle would last at least a year. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason for that is, is because we go through an entire year of experiences that we might have shared with that person. Yeah. So there's a year of what does this birthday look like without them? What does this, you know, this holiday that we celebrated as a group look like without them? Um, what does the season look like without them? Mm-hmm. And those memories that you were talking about will will surface differently and with a different amount of poignancy throughout throughout those different periods. And that's when grief is uncomplicated. And right. the truth is most of us experience some level of more complicated grief, whether that's that our relationship with the person who passed away is not as as lovely uh, mm-hmm. or as rosy as perhaps we wanted it to be in their lasting regrets. Or perhaps it's something along the lines of it was a traumatic death, which brings its own host of of uh, complicating factors with it. Mm-hmm. But at its best, I agree with you. Um, grief is such a tender place that when we really engage with the process of grieving, it leads us to know ourselves more deeply. And it, it leads us also to forge relationships sometimes more mm-hmm. strongly. In a way, I think of it almost similar to a post-traumatic growth process. Mm -hmm. So the idea with post-traumatic growth is that in the aftermath of a traumatic event, and and deaths can be traumatic events. They they aren't always, but they can be. In the aftermath of a traumatic event, we are able to work through it in such a way that we grow psychologically, uh, we grow relationally, and therefore would say that we're actually better off after the trauma than we were before the trauma. Mm-hmm. That's the sort of the definition of post-traumatic growth. And I think the same can be said of grief, that if we really engage with the work, if we um, find meaning in the midst of it, um, if we are able to draw out how we ourselves can grow out of it, um, and then also find ways to contribute to the world in a way that really honors that person, mm-hmm. then um, we wind, might say that we wind off actually better off or as a fuller person than we were before before the event that sparked the grief. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I know from the workplace, there, there has to be some kind of rule in place. Mm-hmm. And I always look at that as a place to start from, because if you, you know, as a small business, we wish we could give people endless amounts of time, you know, even for myself to have endless amounts of time. But we know that in the world of business and oftentimes in a small business, when the resources are less uh, in terms of the people, you can't do that. But as a leader, if you're aware of someone's loss and checking in, how are you? What do you need? And sometimes people don't know how to say or don't feel comfortable saying what they need. If those of us who are in leadership roles know that the person is, you know, perhaps responding or acting differently than we're accustomed, it's okay. You know, always ask for permission. Ask for permission. Sit down with the person. Talk to them. You know, how how are you doing? And those kind of conversations that could be had in a short period of time, I know, go a really, really long way, even more so than say, hey, go take another two weeks off or something like that. Because in that moment, you're being held with a lot of love. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and that's really whether whether the grief is is giving pleasant memories, traumatic memories, you're reliving things, whatever it is, being held in a space of love helps to heal. Yes. I often find that people have this question of, well, what do I say? when someone's lost someone, there's a a deep discomfort around death and around loss. And so the question comes up, well, well, what is a helpful thing to say? What can I say? Is there anything that I can say that's meaningful in this moment? And there, there are actually writers who have written about their own personal experience of loss and what they have found to be helpful. And some of the constants that I've seen are things just like you said, like, how are you doing? Um, I'm thinking of you being willing to sit in silence with somebody for a period of time. Also asking questions, and this this can be brief as well, but but saying, you know, if you're comfortable, I'd love to hear a story about whoever it is who's passed away. Um, or being willing to share a story of a fond memory if you happen to know the person as well. Sharing a fond memory that you had, that can also be meaningful. Mm-hmm. I've, you know, no, go ahead. Well, so I'll also say that I've, I have never had a negative response to asking somebody, how can I best support you right now? And the truth is they may not know um, plenty of people. That's it can be an overwhelming question for some folks in, in that period, but it allows them to advocate for themselves. Mm at a time when things may feel like, when they may feel like they don't have a lot of power. Right. Right. And, and, you know, I, I would notice, um, over, over the years with loss that, you know, yes, grief, loss, it's, it is very uncomfortable. Um, none of us want to be in that place, but when you do nothing, you're doing something. Yep. You're ignoring it and and sweeping it under under the rug, especially for a colleague that you interact with often. 
it's not a pleasant feeling to be on the other end when it's like you knew that I had this loss, you know, and, and I, and, and I also say a different place. I, I think it's, it's really how us as a society views some of these things as, as uncomfortable, you know, life is not, we want life to be perfect all the time, but when these kind of things happen, the, the way to have the perfection is to stand with someone through their darkest hours. And it, and it doesn't mean from a work perspective that you're crossing boundaries. It's just, it's just meaning mm-hmm. you're having a conversation from your heart to theirs because we all have loss. We all do. Um, yes. You know, the other part of loss, given, and I know you are too, a big animal person, how sometimes mm-hmm. in my entire work life, which, you know, goes many decades, people, <laughs> um, how people make side jokes when someone loses a pet, you know, for, for mm-hmm. some of us, whether you have two legged children or four legged, that animal becomes a part of the family. So I even put bereavement leave in for a pet because and into our into into our space because it's sometimes traumatic and sometimes someone's like look I'm I'm okay or if I need it I'll I'll tell you okay but that's one of the most god awful things is when you lose your pet it really is absolutely yes and th- and that gets to me to sort of a broader concept mm-hmm. in grief which is it's twofold. There's one is the idea of sort of hidden griefs that we tend not to talk about or tend not to acknowledge as a society or tend to make light of. One of them is losing a pet. Another one that we really do not talk about, there's a taboo that's slowly getting lifted, but it, there's a taboo about talking about mm, infertility yeah. um, or pregnancy yeah. loss, which it can cause real grief for women yes. um, and men. Yeah. But Part of this is also the other piece that I wanted to lift up in this is, is the idea that we often think of grief as being a direct correlation. So I am grieving the thing that happened right now, right? I am grieving the death of this person that I loved, or I'm grieving the death of, of this animal. When in actuality, the way that grief often works is that a grief will bring up the feelings that are associated with that relationship and grief's yeah. past. Um, and sometimes it happens that a grief that might seem like a small grief to, uh, to people around us, it, it might seem like it makes no sense that, I don't know, let's say someone's grieving their second cousin twice right. removed, right? And, and they're falling apart. Um, now, it could be that you don't know the relationship and they were actually best friends and, and, you know, grew up together. It could also be that there was something in the death of the second cousin twice removed that is triggering all of the memories of someone that they lost as a child that they were never able to grieve properly at the time. And so this, this new grief becomes a cathartic release of something that is older. And so the reality is that, that, as much as me, we might like for it to be, grief is grief is not simple, and it's not direct. Always a direct correlation, and it can. It's often not linear. Yeah, 
Absolutely. You know, and I have, I have had experiences, uh, especially through the pandemic that has brought up a lot of loss through the isolation and it's not necessarily death. It has been loss of relationships, you know, breakups and have really shattered both men and women that I know, uh, from the work that I do. And we sometimes kind of put that off to the side. Just because someone is not married, um, that doesn't mean that the loss of a relationship is any less important. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, when when someone's life shifts because someone or or uh, a pet is no longer in their life, that's a, that's a, a transition that needs to be paid attention to because that's what creates healthier work cultures when we, when we know, I think not so much know, but when we really take care of each other, you know, and the taking care of is not enabling, but it's being a human being, a good human being. Yes. To another. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, one other thing I want to talk about with grief is let's talk about it culturally in uh, diversity, Mm -hmm. in the work that you do. Do you see that across different diverse cultures, how is grief handled or treated? Absolutely. Um, so there's a really, really broad range of how of what is considered to be um, normal um, and acceptable in expressing grief. I will never forget. So as a pastor, part of my training was was doing a chaplaincy internship. And everyone in my small cohort was, uh, we were all white people um, who had grown mm-hmm. up in similar similar contexts. We all tended to be relatively quiet, introverted folks. And one of the chaplains who was on staff was a Black woman. And she made a point of handling our, our a, a seminar that we had on grieving in, in a diverse setting. And one of the things that she made very clear to us from her experience was her experience of Black families was that grief tended to be loud. And what she had witnessed in the mm-hmm. hospital as a Black woman ministering to, uh, to families across the spectrum, but she was particularly troubled when she would minister to a family of color. And they would be expressing their grief in a way that was totally normal. And white Mm -hmm. staff Mm -hmm. in the hospital would be so uncomfortable that they would come in and say, you have to quiet down or you can't grieve like Mm -hmm. this. You can't be that loud. You need Mm -hmm. to move elsewhere. And to be clear, this was not out of a Mm -hmm. a guard for other patients. In this case, it it was because of a discomfort on the staff's part. About, about the level of, of emotion. Mm. And so that's just one example, but across the broad spectrum of race, ethnicity, class, and gender, there are different expectations about what is appropriate in grieving. There are different norms for how long a grieving process should last. Mm-hmm. There are different... There are different volumes of grief. There are different traditional things that can be said or even postures that can be taken. Mm-hmm. So, for example, throwing yourself on the floor 
or being being low. Right. Right. So it's understanding that. And I think a huge piece of what we're talking about is understanding where we ourselves as leaders within workplaces are uncomfortable and Mm -hmm. moderating our discomfort, controlling our discomfort so that we are able to be present and sensitive to another person and meet them where they are instead of taking our discomfort out on them. Right. Yeah. Uh, You know, and I have definitely seen in my career when it's come to, you know, on a leadership perspective, leaders, it can be very quick to go to the front of the room to celebrate the good stuff, to champion the accomplishments. And I have definitely seen leaders over the years that will run to run out of the room and ignore the troubled times, these kind of troubled times, you know, um, there, there, there's leaders that are so vocal when, when the sales and the revenues are behind, but when it comes to grief, I have definitely been horrified when I have seen leaders just disregard another's feelings. And, you know, I believe we as leaders in an organization, if we have people that have come to work in our organization, we have a responsibility to hold people at their best and at their worst. You know, and again, not from an enabling place, but but from a, a, a place of genuine compassion and humanity. And my hope and prayer is that as uh, as the workplace continues to evolve, that more people will see that and 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 call out the leaders who are ignoring this because this is this is a part of life. Yes, absolutely. You know, we have parties for baby showers and birthdays and weddings and but there's nothing. There's silence when there's loss, whether that's a person's life or a person's relationship. Yes. And to me, that gets to our real discomfort. America, not just America, but I'm going to speak from American culture because it is the one I know the best. We have a real difficulty with the process of aging and with dying. It's, you can see it in, in ads that want us, especially women, you know, want us to look younger, um, for as long as possible. It's almost as if we want to deny that we're slowly creeping towards death. Um, the fact Mm -hmm. that we're not Mm -hmm. comfortable even saying this person died as opposed to this person passed away. We have Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a real discomfort with it. And so we're happy to celebrate the good things and we would rather push away and pretend that things like loss didn't exist because then we don't have to face that it's going to happen to us as well. Mm-hmm. You know, as we, as we bring our, our conversation to, to completion and, you know, conversations like this can just go yes. endlessly. Um, is what piece of wisdom would you want to leave for the listeners on this topic when it comes to workplace or when it comes to self? 
So when it comes to workplace, it's really where I began, which is understanding that grief is different for everybody. And it is as unique as the person who is grieving. So there's a real need for us to check our own internal discomfort and to simply be present with people in the midst of that process and to know that it can last for a lot longer than we would anticipate it lasting and that that's okay. And when it comes to self, I would say the biggest piece of wisdom is to be gentle with yourself and to really work to get the growth out of it, which means um, to engage with a grieving process, whatever that looks like for you, um, to engage with the grieving process mm -hmm. and to embrace a grieving process as opposed to running away from it. Mm -hmm. That's that's beautiful because, you know, for for people that are in leadership or, you know, high performing, sometimes grief can be the greatest gift to give you permission to slow down yes. and to stop, however that may look. And, um, you know, again, my wish and my want is that people continue to be gentle with themselves inside and outside the workplace, and that we continue to strive to get through it together and to be present. I mean, you know, when I think about the different topics that we talk about on the podcast and that a lot of the work I do in leadership, it comes down to, um, you know, uh, it comes down to being present. And it's amazing when one is present to what is going on in that moment, some amazing discoveries can occur and beautiful relationships can form and grow. Absolutely. So, well, Jennifer, thank you so much for being here today to have this conversation. I so appreciate your wisdom and I am so excited that you touch so many people and that you feel comfortable and are present to be someone, to be with someone in one of our darkest hours. So thank you for all you do. Thank you. And thank you for having me today. It's been wonderful talking to you. And I appreciate all that you're doing and transforming the way workplaces work. A little bit at a time, right? A little bit at a time. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much, Jennifer. And to our listeners, we thank you for being here today and hope that you left this conversation with even one new awareness that tomorrow you can go into the workplace and to be able to share and be more present and gentler with yourself. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for joining us. And if you enjoyed this episode, please follow Room at the Table on your favorite platform and share with a colleague or two or three. You can find the full transcripts, links, and more resources to creating more equitable workplaces at roomatthetablepodcast.com. This has been a production of Twin Flame Studios.